Chapter 17 of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume 3, Part 1, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which Aramis is sought, and only Bazin is found. Two hours had scarcely elapsed since the departure of the master of the house, who, in Blaisois's sight, had taken the road to Paris, when a horseman, mounted on a good pied horse, stopped before the gate, and with a sonorous halloa, called the stable-boys, who with the gardeners had formed a circle round Blaisois, the historian and ordinary to the household of the chateau. This holla, doubtless well known to Master Blaisois, made him turn his head and exclaim, "'Monsieur d'Artagnan, run quickly, you chaps, and open the gate!' A swarm of eight brisk lads flew to the gate, which was opened as if it had been made of feathers, and every one loaded him with attentions, for they knew the welcome this friend was accustomed to receive from their master, and for such remarks the eye of the valet may always be depended upon. "'Ah!' said Monsieur d'Artagnan, with an agreeable smile, balancing himself upon his stirrup to jump to the ground. "'Where is that dear Count?' "'Ah! How unfortunate you are, monsieur,' said Blaisois. "'And how unfortunate will Monsieur le Comte, our master, think himself when he hears of your coming! As ill luck will have it, Monsieur le Comte left home two hours ago!' D'Artagnan did not trouble himself about such trifles. "'Very good,' said he. "'You always speak the best French in the world. You shall give me a lesson in grammar and correct language, whilst I wait the return of your master.' "'That is impossible, monsieur,' said Blaisois. "'You would have to wait too long.' "'Will he not come back to-day, then?' "'No, nor to-morrow, nor the day after to-morrow. Monsieur le Comte has gone on a journey.' "'A journey?' said D'Artagnan, surprised. "'That's a fable, Mr. Blaisois.' "'Monsieur, it is no more than the truth. Monsieur has done me the honor to give me the house in charge.' and he added with his voice so full of authority and kindness that is all one to me you will say i have gone to paris well cried d'artagnan since he has gone toward paris that is all i wanted to know you should have told me so at first booby he is then two hours in advance yes monsieur i shall soon overtake him is he alone no monsieur who is with him then a gentleman whom i don't know an old man and monsieur grimaud such a party cannot travel as fast as i can i will start will monsieur listen to me an instant said blaisois laying his hand gently on the reins of the horse yes if you don't favor me with fine speeches and make haste well then monsieur that word paris appears to me to be only an excuse oh oh said d'artagnan seriously an excuse eh yes monsieur and monsieur le comte is not going to paris i will swear what makes you think so this monsieur grimaud always knows where our master is going and he had promised me that the first time he went to paris he would take a little money for me to my wife. What? Have you a wife, then? I had one. She was of this country, but Monsieur thought her a noisy scold, so I sent her to Paris. It is sometimes inconvenient, but 
very agreeable at others i understand but go on you do not believe the count gone to paris no monsieur for then monsieur grimaud would have broken his word he would have perjured himself and that is impossible that is impossible repeated d'artagnan quite in a study because he was quite convinced well my brave blaisois many thanks to you blaisois bowed come you know i am not curious i have serious business with your master could you not by a little bit of a word you who speak so well give me to understand one syllable only i will guess the rest upon my word monsieur i cannot i am quite ignorant where monsieur le comte is gone as to listening at doors that is contrary to my nature and besides it is forbidden here my dear fellow said d'artagnan this is a very bad beginning for me never mind you know when monsieur le comte will return at least as little monsieur as the place of his destination come blaisois come search monsieur doubts my sincerity ah monsieur that grieves me much the devil take his gilded tongue grumbled d'artagnan a clown with a word would be worth a dozen of him adieu monsieur i have the honor to present you my respects cuistre said d'artagnan to himself the fellow is unbearable he gave another look up to the house turned his horse's head and set off like a man who has nothing either annoying or embarrassing in his mind when he was at the end of the wall and out of sight well now i wonder said he breathing quickly whether athos was at home no all those idlers standing with their arms crossed would have been at work if the eye of the master was near athos gone a journey that is incomprehensible bah it is all devilish mysterious and then no he is not the man i want i want one of a cunning patient mind my business is at melun in a certain presbytery i am acquainted with forty-five leagues four days and a half well it is fine weather and i am free never mind the distance and he put his horse into a trot directing his course toward paris on the fourth day he alighted at melun as he had indicated d'artagnan was never in the habit of asking anyone on the road for any common information for these sorts of details unless in very serious circumstances he confided in his perspicacity which was so seldom at fault in his experience of thirty years and in a great habit of reading the physiognomies of houses as well as those of men at melun d'artagnan immediately found the presbytery a charming house plastered over red brick with vines climbing along the gutters and a cross in carved stone surmounting the ridge of the roof from the ground floor of this house came a noise or rather a confusion of voices like the chirping of young birds when the brood is just hatched under the down one of these voices was spelling the alphabet distinctly a voice thick yet pleasant at the same time scolded the talkers and corrected the faults of the reader d'artagnan recognized that voice and as the window of the ground floor was open he leant down from his horse under the branches and red fibres of the vine and cried bazin my dear bazin 
good day to you a short fat man with a flat face a cranium ornamented with a crown of gray hairs cut short in imitation of a tonsure and covered with an old black velvet cap arose as soon as he heard d'artagnan we ought not to say a rose but bounded up in fact bazin bounded up carrying with him his little low chair which the children tried to take away with battles more fierce than those of the greeks endeavoring to recover the body of patroclus from the hands of the trojans bazin did more than bound he let fall both his alphabet and his feral you said he you monsieur d'artagnan yes myself where is aramis no monsieur le chevalier d'herblay no i am still mistaken monsieur le vicaire general ah oh, monsieur said bazin with dignity monseigneur is at his diocese what did you say said d'artagnan bazin repeated the sentence <laughs> but has aramis a diocese yes monsieur why not is he a bishop then why where can you come from said bazin rather irreverently that you don't know that my dear bazin we pagans we men of the sword know very well when a man is made a colonel or maitre de camp or marshal of france but if he be made a bishop archbishop or pope devil take me if the news reaches us before the three quarters of the earth have had the advantage of it hush hush said bazin opening his eyes do not spoil these poor children in whom i am endeavoring to inculcate such good principles in fact the children had surrounded d'artagnan whose horse long sword spurs and martial air they very much admired but above all they admired his strong voice so that when he uttered his oath the whole school cried out the devil take me with fearful bursts of laughter shouts and bounds which delighted the musketeer and bewildered the old pedagogue there said he hold your tongues you brats you have come monsieur d'artagnan and all my good principles fly away with you as usual comes disorder babel is revived ah good lord ah the wild little wretches and the worthy bazin distributed right and left blows which increased the cries of his scholars by changing the nature of them at least said he you will no longer decoy any one here do you think so said d'artagnan with a smile which made a shudder creep over the shoulders of bazin he is capable of it murmured he where is your master's diocese monseigneur rene is bishop of vannes who had him nominated why monsieur le surintendant our neighbor what monsieur fouquet to be sure he did is aramis on good terms with him then monseigneur preached every sunday at the house of monsieur le surintendant at vau then they hunted together ah and monseigneur composed his homilies no i mean his sermons with monsieur le surintendant bah 
he preached in verse then this worthy bishop monsieur for the love of heaven do not jest with sacred things there bazin there so then aramis is at van at van in bretagne you are a deceitful old hunks bazin that is not true see monsieur if you please the apartments of the presbytery are empty he is right there said d'artagnan looking attentively at the house the aspect of which announced solitude but monseigneur must have written you an account of his promotion when did it take place a month back oh then there is no time lost aramis cannot yet have wanted me but how is it bazin you do not follow your master monsieur i cannot i have occupations your alphabet and my penitence what do you confess then are you a priest the same as one i have such a call but the orders oh said bazin without hesitation now that monseigneur is a bishop i shall soon have my orders or at least my dispensations and he rubbed his hands decidedly said d'artagnan to himself there will be no means of uprooting these people get me some supper bazin with pleasure monsieur a fowl a bouillon and a bottle of wine this is saturday monsieur it is a day of abstinence i have a dispensation said d'artagnan bazin looked at him suspiciously <laughs> master hypocrite said the musketeer for whom do you take me if you who are the valet hope for dispensation to commit a crime shall not i the friend of your bishop have dispensation for eating meat at the call of my stomach make yourself agreeable with me bazin or by heavens i will complain to the king and you shall never confess now you know that the nomination of bishops rests with the king i have the king i am the stronger bazin smiled hypocritically ah but we have monsieur le surintendant said he and you laugh at the king then bazin made no reply his smile was sufficiently eloquent my supper said d'artagnan it is getting towards seven o'clock bazin turned round and ordered the eldest of the pupils to inform the cook in the meantime d'artagnan surveyed the presbytery Phew, said he disdainfully monseigneur lodged his grandeur very meanly here we have the chateau de vaux said bazin which is perhaps equal to the louvre said d'artagnan jeeringly which is better replied bazin with the greatest coolness imaginable <laughs> said d'artagnan he would perhaps have prolonged the discussion and maintained the superiority of the louvre but the lieutenant perceived that his horse remained fastened to the bars of a gate the devil said he get my horse looked after your master the bishop has none like him in his stables bazin cast a sidelong glance at the horse and replied monsieur le surintendant gave him four from his own stables and each of the four is worth four of yours 
the blood mounted to the face of d'artagnan his hand itched and his eye glanced over the head of bazin to select the place upon which he should discharge his anger but it passed away reflection came and d'artagnan contented himself with saying the devil the devil i have done well to quit the service of the king tell me worthy master bazin added he how many musketeers does monsieur le surintendant retain in his service he could have all there are in the kingdom with his money replied bazin closing his book and dismissing the boys with some kindly blows of his cane the devil the devil repeated d'artagnan once more as if to annoy the pedagogue but as supper was now announced he followed the cook who introduced him into the refectory where it awaited him d'artagnan placed himself at the table and began a hearty attack upon his fowl it appears to me said d'artagnan biting with all his might at the tough fowl they had served up to him and which they had evidently forgotten to fatten it appears that i have done wrong in not seeking service with that master yonder a powerful noble this intendant seemingly in good truth we poor fellows know nothing at the court and the rays of the sun prevent our seeing the large stars which are also suns at a little greater distance from our earth that is all as d'artagnan delighted both from pleasure and system in making people talk about things which interested him he fenced in his best style with master bazin but it was pure loss of time beyond the tiresome and hyperbolical praises of monsieur le surintendant of the finances bazin who on his side was on his guard afforded nothing but platitudes to the curiosity of d'artagnan so that our musketeer in a tolerably bad humor desired to go to bed as soon as he had supped d'artagnan was introduced by bazin into a mean chamber in which there was a poor bed but d'artagnan was not fastidious in that respect he had been told that aramis had taken away the key of his own private apartment and as he knew aramis was a very particular man and had generally many things to conceal in his apartment he had not been surprised he therefore although it appeared comparatively even harder attacked the bed as bravely as he had done the fowl and as he had as good an inclination to sleep as he had had to eat he took scarcely longer time to be snoring harmoniously than he had employed in picking the last bones of the bird since he was no longer in the service of any one d'artagnan had promised himself to indulge in sleeping as soundly as he had formerly slept lightly but with whatever good faith d'artagnan had made himself this promise and whatever desire he might have to keep it religiously he was awakened in the middle of the night by a loud noise of carriages and servants on horseback a sudden illumination flashed over the walls of his chamber he jumped out of bed and ran to the window in his shirt can the king be coming this way he thought rubbing his eyes in truth such a suite can only be attached to royalty vive monsieur le surintendant cried or rather vociferated from a window on the ground floor a voice which he recognized as bazin's who at the same time waved a handkerchief with one hand and held a large candle in the other d'artagnan then saw something like a brilliant human form leaning out of the principal carriage at the same time loud bursts of laughter caused no doubt by the strange figure of bazin and issuing from the same carriage left as it were a train of joy upon the passage of the rapid cortege i might easily see it was not the king said d'artagnan people don't laugh so heartily when the king passes 
hola fezen cried he to his neighbor three quarters of whose body still hung out from the window to follow the carriage with his eyes as long as he could what is all that about it is monsieur fouquet said bazin in a patronizing tone and all those people that is the court of monsieur fouquet oh oh said d'artagnan what would monsieur de mazarin say to that if he heard it and he returned to his bed asking himself how aramis always contrived to be protected by the most powerful personages in the kingdom is it that he has more luck than i or that i am a greater fool than he bah that was the concluding word by the aid of which d'artagnan having become wise now terminated every thought and every period of his style formerly he said mordieu which was the prick of the spur but now he had become older and he murmured that philosophical bah which served as a bridle to all the passions End of chapter 17 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia